Welcome to the National Presbyterian Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Ray Hilton, and I'd like to personally say how thrilled we are to share our sermon with you this week. If you feel encouraged by our messages, we invite you to hit the subscribe button so you will never miss an episode. Now, let's go to the National Presbyterian Church Sanctuary and hear the word of the Lord. The scripture reading today is from Psalm 95, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land, which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Like Paul, as he writes in Philippians chapter 3, I have credentials. I have Presbyterian credentials. My parents were married at First Pres Berkeley. I was baptized at Fremont Pres in Sacramento. And when my parents moved to the Bay Area, we joined Grace Pres. When I was in high school, our version of Kristen took us on a mission trip. And at a Presbyterian college in Sitka, Alaska, I heard God's call for me to go into the ministry. I went and graduated from Princeton Seminary. That's Presbyterian. I was ordained at La Cañada Press. I served four Presbyterian churches. I was married in a Presbyterian church, and my, baptized, my children were baptized in a Presbyterian church. But in November of 2003, my family was transferred to Virginia because my husband took a job at the Department of Energy for two years. And so after we unpacked, and I got the car registered and got my driver's license and enrolled my three and four-year-old into preschool, we set about trying to find a community that we could worship in. Of course, we tried all sorts of Presbyterian churches, but nothing really felt right. So finally, in January of 2004, our neighbor, who happened to be the wife of the rector of the Falls Church, invited us to go to worship with her. And after that first service, my husband and I, we looked at one another and we realized that we had encountered God in a way we never had before. Let us pray. Now, O oh Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for yourself, Lord Jesus. Amen. 
The passage that Kathleen read for us this morning, Psalm 95, is a well-known and beloved psalm. And it was written to call the Israelites to worship. But this psalm is also used regularly because it's in the Book of Common Worship, and it's included in the morning prayer service. It's also used in our own sanctuary. And Psalm 95 is known as the Venite. That's Latin for O Come. Psalm 95 is an invitation for us to come and enter God's presence. The first two verses of this psalm remind us of the delight and happiness that worshipers feel when they encounter God's presence. Worship is an act of praise to the God who is the rock of our salvation. And we make a joyful noise in our hearts and they're full of praise for all that God has done for us. As believers, we pay attention to God. We pay attention to the gifts that he gives us, and the blessings he entrusts to us, and we notice how God is active and alive in our lives. So with full hearts, we give thanks and praise. The next three verses go on to describe all the ways that God is great and worthy of our praise. God is above all other gods because God is the creator of the world and all that is in it. And everything, including us, we belong to God. There is no other God who can do what God has done and what God continues to do. No other gods are all good, are all powerful, or ever-present. No other gods have designed the universe with such intricacy and beauty. No other gods are perfect or have our best interests at heart. Nothing in our realm or the heavenly realm can compare to our creator God. Verse 6 is another invitation to us, an invitation to bow down in God's presence as we worship. We kneel before God for the reasons that were listed in the previous verses. God is great. God is our creator. We belong to God. So our posture before the Lord is one of deference and reverence for all who God is. We know that we aren't the ones that splashed colors and substances together to form this world. We aren't the ones who fabricated the laws of the universe to hold the cosmos together. We must bow down to the one who is above us in all ways. Now, the final verse that we read was a declaration that God is our God. And like sheep in a pasture, we belong to God. I think the sheep metaphor is a good one because God is like a shepherd to us. God keeps us safe from predators. God leads us to safe green pastures and still cool waters. And as a shepherd does, God carries our burdens for us. Worship is the place where we come before God with a posture of, of respect and a heart full of praise. And those were the characteristics that my husband and I found at the Falls Church. Now, the Falls Church wasn't Presbyterian, 
but it transformed my life. That church, those worship services, that community, it invited me to encounter God in a depth and a breadth I hadn't before. The Falls Church taught me to worship God with a freedom and a joy that was a gift of the Holy Spirit. And like Paul, I learned that my credentials really didn't matter much. An Episcopal and then later an Anglican congregation taught a lifelong Presbyterian life-changing worship in the Holy Spirit. And I found, like Paul writes in Philippians, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. That's the point of worship. That's what God invites us into. But you already know that. I mean, any of us who sit in these pews week after week know that God calls and invites us here. God wants us to hear the word preached. God wants us to praise God with our songs and our prayers and to build up the community of believers in our faith. But actually, it's not so easy to worship God. Let me use this imperfect story to elaborate on that point. There was an old man who lived on a beautiful island. He loved his family, he loved his community, his job, but most especially, he loved that island. And when he was about to die, he asked his sons to take him outside so that he could lay down on the ground and clutch that piece of earth one more time. And as he did that, the man died. The Lord met him at the gates of heaven, and he said, come on in. But then the Lord saw what was in his hand, and he said to the man, what do you have there? And the man said, it's soil from my home. I don't go anywhere without it. And the Lord said, well, you must leave that, or you won't be allowed in. And so the man clenched his fist even tighter, and he said, never. So he remained outside heaven's gates. Now some time had passed, and the gates opened up again, and the Lord appeared a second time as a man wearing a hat, looking like one of the old man's buddies. And the Lord sat down next to the old man, and he said to him, come on, come in. But the old man was still adamant, clutching that dirt. He said, never. So the Lord went back through the gates. More time passed. And the old man noticed that that dirt that was in his hands was caking and crumbling and starting to trickle through his fingers. And out came the Lord for the third time as a young child. And the Lord said to the man, Grandfather, the gates are only open for those with open hands. So the man thought about that, looked at what was left in his hands, and willing, willingly dropped the clump of dirt. He took the little child's hands and approached the gates. And as those gates swung open and the man walked in, he sees his beautiful island and even more beauty than he ever expected because that man was welcomed into God's presence with love and with joy. 
I don't tell this story because I think it's an accurate representation of how we enter into heaven. But I do because I think there's a really important point in there. That man shows us that we can't fully worship and glorify God if we are hanging on to our idols. And idolatry is something that is too easy for us to fall into. Idolatry is anything that rivals God's place in our heart and in our affections. And idolatry robs God of his proper glory. And it's a real problem for humanity because it's too easy for us to focus our time, our attention, our resources, our finances on things or people or ideas rather than giving God our attention. Think of how much time we spend on social media or binge-watching Netflix or checking the latest sports scores. We also use idolatry to help us deal with our anxiety or to allow us to stay in control of things. And we turn to those things because we just want what we want. And we hope somehow that those distractions will make us feel better. But we aren't the only ones who struggle with idols. There are two stories I want us to focus on, one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament, that highlights these poor choices. In Exodus chapter 32, Moses goes up Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments from God. And he was gone from the Israelites' camp for 40 days and for 40 nights. But in that time, the people got antsy because they weren't sure where Moses was, and they had no idea what was going on. So they turned to Aaron, and they asked Aaron to do something for them. Make a god for them. Find something else to lead the people. Now, Aaron should have known better. He knew where Moses was, wasn't he? That was his brother. He knew what Moses was up to. And yet Aaron agrees to help them out. He collects their gold, and he fashions it into a golden calf. And then he goes the extra distance, and he builds an altar so that they have a place to sacrifice and celebrate their new god. Now, what's interesting to me in this story is how the Israelites turn to Aaron to fix their anxiety. They didn't think to ask Aaron to lead them in a time of prayer. None of them stopped and said, we need to worship God right now. They quickly abandoned all the learning that they had done to fix their antsiness, to soothe their worry, to calm their anxiety, and Aaron was happy to go along with that plan. He caved to pressure, even though he knew better. That's one reason we turn to idols. We want them to fix our problems, or at least help us to forget them. But that really isn't a solution. The New Testament version of poor choices around idols is from the rich young ruler. You know, he goes to meet Jesus and asks Jesus what else he needs to do to inherit eternal life. And what does Jesus tell him? 
sell all of your possessions and donate them to the poor. And that deeply grieves the man's heart because that's the one thing he didn't want to do. The man had put his trust and his faith into what those riches would do for him. His money was his security. So he turned his back on Jesus and said no to the opportunity to develop relationship with Jesus. The young ruler wanted what he wanted. And he didn't want Jesus. It's easy to judge the Israelites or the rich young ruler, but I think we're all like this. I know that I am. I would rather fill my time or my life with easy things that distract me. And some days it's really hard to turn to God. It's much easier to avoid relationship than to cultivate it. And it's very easy to think that those idols will fill my need or your need, calm our anxiety, help our hurts, make it better. But idols never do. We need a shepherd. We, like sheep, are content to just follow the sheep in front of us. And we don't necessarily think or look more deeply at what is going on. We're quick to settle, settle for the muddy puddle rather than to trust the shepherd who is going to lead us a little farther to that clear, pristine water to soothe our parched throats. We turn to idols or false gods to help us manage our burdens rather than to ask God to carry what we were never created to. And yet as sheep, we do know the voice of our shepherd when we hear it. But we just need to make sure we attune our ears and our hearts to that precious voice. There was another figure in the Old Testament who did just that. And he's a wonderful example of how to face some crisis and not turn to idols for help. That figure was Daniel. He was an Israelite who was captured from Jerusalem and taken to Babylon to serve Babylonian kings. Daniel remained devoted to God and didn't allow the Babylonians to change his heart. And that got him into a bit of trouble with King Darius, who decreed that everyone in the realm could worship no one other than King Darius. And that put Daniel and his other captured friends in a bind because they had God's law in their hearts and they did not want to worship anything other than the one true God. So Daniel defied the king's order and he continued to pray openly to God and without guile. He was caught and the punishment was death in a lion's den. But you know what happens. God protects Daniel from the lions, and the next morning, when Daniel's captors open up the den and expect to find a mangled corpse, out walks Daniel, safe from all harm. Daniel turned to God in his time of need. 
And Daniel kept faithful to God's commandments, despite incentive to abandon all and worship a false god. It was hard. Daniel faced pressure to cave to the king's command and to conform. But Daniel knew that his God was greater than King Darius. Daniel knew the creator of the universe because Daniel cultivated relationship with God. Daniel trusted that God would protect him and guide him no matter the outcome of the lion's den. How can we be more like Daniel and resist that temptation for a quick hit of dopamine or a fast and easy temporary solution to our problems? How do we turn to God instead? How can we change that dynamic that comes to us so easily to turn to anything else but God? I think Psalm 95 gives us one answer. When we are bored, or overwhelmed, or anxious, or fearful, when we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, the solution is to say yes to God's invitation and to come into God's presence with thanksgiving, to assume a posture of reverence and deference to the one true God, to kneel before our God to offer our thanks and praise for all that God has done for us. What about if you don't feel thankful? Or, or what do you do if you're not really grateful? Or what if you're carrying hurt and grief and are just weary? What if your idols continue to call to you? God doesn't expect us to be perfect. Because God knows us. God loves us, whether we have it all together or not. We are the sheep of his pasture, and he knows our sins and our foibles and our giftings and our blessings because God created us. God loves us. God cares for us. And God knows what we need much better than our idols do. And we can trust that God will give us every good thing. Life with God is about an invitation. God says to us, come. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy, carrying heavy burdens. Come to me and find rest. Come to me. And still, God knows that it's hard for us to accept that invitation to lay down our idols and our burdens and to follow him. So God gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us and help us and comfort us. The Holy Spirit will give us the strength to turn from our idols and to follow God. All we need to do is ask. Today is Christ the King Sunday. The day the church has set aside to give thanks and praise for the sovereignty of Christ our King. Jesus is the Lord of all creation, and Jesus will come again in glory to rule over all. 
Everything that we have and everything that we are are because of Jesus. So today is a good day to offer our praise, to raise our hands with joy, to kneel and bow our heads in reverence before our King. God invites us into life with him. And that invitation, that gift, changes our lives. So with hearts full of thanksgiving and gratitude, let us worship our God with all that we have and all that we are. Let us pray. Merciful God, we thank you that you call us into relationship with you. And Lord, you know that there are so many distractions that keep us from saying yes. But Lord, we long to come before you, to bow before you, and to give you all the glory. So help us, Lord, when we are tempted to turn away. Help us to keep our eyes focused on you. We ask this through your son Jesus' name. Amen. We're glad that you could be with us today. If you would like more information about our church, visit our website at nationalprayers.org. That's nationalprayers.org. Help us spread the good news of the gospel by sharing our podcast with your friends and giving us a rating. If you haven't already, be sure to click the subscribe button. See you next week.